0: according to St. Matthew, the 2nd chapter. When the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained for the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. There's a peculiar lust for power that is as old as time. Yes, there's a lust for power. It works like this. When a person first gets a taste of power, it can be very addicting. Indeed. The reason is, well, with power comes an expanded kingdom. In other words, the more power a person can have, get and obtain, typically accumulate for themselves, the larger their territory becomes, the bigger their dominance becomes. Now, many people new to power really enjoy the perks of power itself. They become intoxicated, if you will, with luxurious lifestyles of good meals, notoriety, and posh treatment. For them, they actually enjoy drinking with tea with their pinky in the air, with an elevated nose in the air, because it feels good. Luxury is indeed good when it comes with power. But truth be told, this is not the main reason why power is so tempting. After all, many powerful people could lose their positions of power and still maintain those posh lifestyles of luxury. So that brings us to the question, what is so addicting about power itself? At the age of 33, Alexander the Great reportedly wept because he had no more worlds to conquer. Now, there are many individuals, historians out there, that would dispute whether or not this is an accurate account of Alexander the Great. But nonetheless, it is a very applicable quote, a very applicable thought for us to consider this morning. Indeed, Alexander the Great had a desire to continue to conquer, there is a sense with power to build one's dominion, once territory. It is endless in itself. And the reason being, well, because death itself is unending. It always comes. Let me explain this a bit more. The thirst for power and building a kingdom for oneself is a reactionary to the robbery of death. As you and I already know, death, it stings. Death, it comes along and it kills and it destroys. It takes everything from us, leaving us naked and dead in the grave. And so, power has a way of coming along and enticing us human beings, yes, enticing us human beings to build our little empires. It tells us to build empires. And with our little empires, we accumulate things such as money and property and influence and prestige and love and sex and luxury and so forth. The possibilities are endless. And these things, they become, get this, they become like layers Layers of comfort that we put up between ourselves and the sting of death. They become layers in between us and death itself. These things are indeed layers of comfort that we cling to, that we build, that we expand. Logically, the bigger the empire, the more layers of protection we supposedly have against death itself. The bigger the power, the higher we stand above the robbery of death. Or so we think. Now, it makes sense, does it not? When death is on the line, when death is out to rob us and take from us, we all scramble to get power. Like little children, if you can remember, like little children scrambling to be the king of the hill, we all try to get as much power. We try to get as high as we can to receive comfort, to be removed from death itself. And this is exactly what we see with King Herod in our reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, briefly, King Herod, a brief history lesson on him, he had obtained his power and his kingdom through great crime and the shedding of much blood. He was actually a bloodthirsty ruler who would commit any crime necessary to gratify his ambitions. He actually killed seven. Get this, he killed seven of his ten wives. He kept only three. And he also killed two of his sons. And to boot, well, he killed his father-in-law as well. He also had hundreds of ordinary people thrown into the dungeons and tortured to keep his kingdom intact, to keep good order, for instance. He masterminded gruesome public executions. The point being King Herod was a ruthless tyrant who used his corrupt power to prop up a kingdom that he had attained, that he had indeed constructed, a kingdom that he hid within. To the point, as we consider King Herod, he was a very, yes, a very, very weak man. Not strong, but weak. Now, knowing this, it helps us make a lot more sense of what was going on in a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When Herod, when he heard that news of that Messiah being born, he actually freaked out. He was terrified and he was troubled. The actual word in early chapter 2 of Matthew's Gospel, we hear that Herod himself, that he was terrified and he was troubled. That is to say, the news of Messiah being born in Bethlehem Caused him a restlessness, a commotion in his mind, an anxiety, an agitation, if you will. Simply stated, a Messiah would threaten Herod's kingdom. It would strip away a layer of comfort, a layer of security, putting Herod that much closer to the sting of death. And that is why Herod sent soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the male children who were two years old and under. And so, while it is very, very easy to condemn Herod, and we should, we should condemn him as a ruthless, bloodthirsty tyrant, truth be told, we also have to admit, we indeed we have to admit that his tactics make sense. He killed, he killed to maintain his own life, and he attacked whatever would threaten his kingdom. For Herod, the first is first, and the last is last, the strong are blessed, and the weak while they're cursed. The person at the top, they're in the position of strength. The bigger the kingdom, the more comfort one would have. Tragically, this is what happens. Tragically, this is what happens when humanity has no solution to death itself. When people have no solution to the sting of death, when all they see is the darkness of death coming at them, well, they act foolishly. Fear sets in, foolishness sets in, just like Herod. And then we resort to the saying, every man to himself. When there's no solution to death, everyone competes with his every ounce of power. Indeed, when there's no solution to death itself, everyone competes with every ounce of power that they have to build the biggest kingdom they can to put as many layers between them and death itself while stomping on everyone else around them. And if anyone comes and threatens that kingdom, well, they get stomped on yet again and perhaps kicked, kicked to the curb. They get shoved before a moving train. It's better for them to be dead than for them to actually threaten our little kingdoms of dominance that we have so-called constructed. As we think about it, isn't this the absolute reverse of how things are with Christianity, though? Isn't the spirit of Herod incredibly narcissistic? In other words, isn't it very, very self centered and selfish? The very opposite of Christ himself, the very opposite of everything that Christianity is about? Yes, it is. And unfortunately, though, it is very prominent. The spirit of Herod, this narcissistic, self centered, selfish building of one's kingdom, is not only contained in Herod himself but it's actually on every culture, in every culture, in every generation, and on every continent itself. And get this, it is even amongst us right here today. Dear friends, oh how quickly we fight. How quickly we fight to keep our positions of power and uphold our tiny little kingdoms to feel as if we're somehow insulated from mortality, death itself. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy. But dear friends, it need not be this way. This is the good news of the gospel. It need not be this way. And the reason why, get this, in Christ, death cannot rob you. It need not be this way because in Christ you have a solution, an antidote to death itself. And this is the reason why Jesus can tell you and me these words. He says this, whoever loses his life for me will find it. It's also the reason why Jesus can say the last will be first. In other words, if it is up to you to build your own kingdom, to protect yourself from death, you will, mark this, you will never have thick enough walls, enough layers to protect you from the sting of death. It keeps coming and coming, and it will drive right through those. The sting of death is just too sharp. If it is up to you to climb your throne to guard yourself against death, you will never rise high enough. If it is up to you to build your own kingdom with your own power, you will not only go all the way of corruption, but you will also end up with a paranoid delusion, stomping on anyone and everything that would threaten you. And your tiny little kingdom, just like Herod did, God have mercy again on us, on me. But baptized saints, it is not this way with you. You are forgiven in Christ Jesus. You are baptized into his name. And you do not have to use power to acquire a little kingdom for yourself. But instead, get this, the kingdom of God is not something that you construct. It is not something that you maintain. It's not something that you build in this life. But rather, the kingdom of God is something that is given to you as a gift. Do not forget, where you have Christ, you have the kingdom of God. And where you have the kingdom of God, you have Christ. You cannot separate the two. Where you have Christ, you have the kingdom. And again, where the kingdom of God is, you have King Jesus. And so what all this means is this. As we embark on 2022, mark this, much fear, much fear will be pandered to you, just like the last two years. You see, people will come along this next year. In fact, it's already starting. People will come along to you and they will sell you a bill of goods. They will say this, well, hey, guess what? Do this thing here and your kingdom will last in 2022. Buy this thing and your kingdom will be safe in 2022 apply this technique check this off buy this do this and your kingdom well it will prosper more than your neighbor use this power use this technique use this insight subscribe to our ideology and guess what your kingdom itself will be taken to the next level and my friends on and on and on it will go But you baptized saints, make no mistake. This would all be true if it were up to you to establish and to build your own kingdoms, like Herod himself. Fear would be applicable. It would be absolutely applicable if you could lose a kingdom that you've created. But this is not the nature of Christianity. It is not the nature of Christ himself. In Christianity, you do not build a kingdom, but you are given the kingdom. And the kingdom of Christ... It is an antidote to sin, the devil, and death itself. Is a kingdom that will not end. And so it does not matter, mark this, it does not matter if you lose your life if you have a kingdom that has no end. And indeed, if you have a kingdom that has no end, it does not matter if you are last. In fact, in fact, in the kingdom of Christ, there's no fear. We must remember that fear has to do with losing something. And with Christ, nothing will ever be lost, but all is given to you as a sheer gift. In the very last day, at the very end of all days, we are given all things, all things are made anew in Christ and given back to you and to me as a sheer gift. Baptized saints, do not fear what the world threatens to take that is not for the world's taking Furthermore, hear this loud and clear, you don't need layers upon layers of a flimsy kingdom to protect you from death, for you already have Christ Jesus, and that, yes, he is enough. Indeed, you don't have to fight and huff and puff to fend off the threats against your kingdoms, for you already have been given the kingdom of God, you are baptized into Christ. You've already been given the kingdom, for Christ was born unto you, he lived unto you, and he rose for you. And his kingdom has no end. And so rejoice this day. Chins up. Assurance this day. You have a kingdom that has no end. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with dawn.